Welcome back. As always, every Sunday night, it's myself, Charlie Bevins, joined by Nick Canzanari and Abbas Dodwala. We are reacting to this week's two episodes of The Last Dance, episodes three and four. Guys, instant reactions. Loved it. I mean, last week, you know, the premiere of them, I think there was a lot of hype because this was the premiere hadn't seen any you know live sports and this really you know brought everyone together but man these two it even better than uh the first week i think i mean it was just another outstanding job you know just so many good uh good clips and sounds in there i mean it's it's incredible what they're able to do with this yeah i I agree i think this week was better um this week didn't feel like two hours which was nice it felt like i was watching for like four hours with the amount of content we got and honestly i just like i thought the way they focused on the team so much and this one was amazing all the rodman stuff was good i think there were two lines that i really loved that i won't say out loud but uh one of them was horace grant yep and the other was ron harper when he was told by yep, his that's another good one Elo guarding mj uh, I thought that was really funny too, but um, yeah. On that note, I'm really glad this is uncensored. It's uh, oh yeah, it, yeah. It definitely adds a new element to this. And, um, and you know, annoyingly, my that for some reason the DVR because uh, I just watched the recorded one because I was doing something when it was live. Um, it like episode three, the mature version recorded, but then for episode four, it only recorded the non-mature one oh so it was a lot of i mean like (laughs) it was just a lot of bleeps which was kind of annoying yeah especially on the pissing stuff yeah yeah and it was like it's just too much it's just too too many it just feels like a like a badly timed sound effect at that point because of how many there were yeah i thought there's there's so much to the to the dennis rodman story that they probably could have spent a little more time just on his upbringing the background stuff like that but I, I understand why they did it this way focusing on him as a piston and him as I mean they bring up some of the uh some of his stuff in high school they show some of his college clips uh where his team was called the savages uh but the I think one of the things that stuck out to me was the appreciation they had for Rodman as a player I think we have this uh I think you know, we're so uh, dismissed from it. I think we have this conception of Rodman as this guy who is kind of all over the place. He plays plays with his hair on fire and, you know, he's just a wild card on the court, which he is those first two things, especially. Uh, But they talk about just how smart of a player and how smart of a defender he was. And that, that stuff really stuck out to me where they talk about, he spends so much time analyzing who he's defending or what their tendencies are. That clip of, uh, Rodman and Jordan going back and forth on the bench talking about like how they're setting up a screen. I love that. I thought they did a really good job uh, kind of dismissing the sort of illusion we have about Rodman. Yeah, that, that exchange was golden. I love that exchange. It was fun to hear like, I mean, it's always so much fun to hear like people who are so involved with the game of S will talk about the game in that way because you hear a different, side from like the analysts talking about it it's always amazing to hear like a player's perspective of like that little those little details that you need to be aware of when you're on a court at, at obviously at that high of a level 
Dennis Rodman, for me, he's on the basketball court. He is he is a role model for for a guy me. Uh, That's how you play. The, well, yeah. For I've been the same height for <laughs> countless years. So, and but but when I was growing up playing basketball, I was always I was one of the taller kids. So I was always the center or power forward. So I, you know, never developed any other skills. And so now, when you know, go and play at the Ray or wherever, having no perimeter skills and very uh, elementary ball handling skills. I love just going down and grabbing rebounds. And and that's also what I love about Rob. He, he wasn't trying to go out and, you know, get 30 and whatever. He was completely fine with, you know, 20 rebounds, no points. Like he, he understood his role and he was, and he was going to go out and get you 20 boards, you know, every night. So that's, that's what I uh, uh, took away from his episode too, is he, he understood his role. And he knew exactly how to perform um, to compliment Michael. And man gets paid. Cans Absolutely. was like, dude, I, I, I will say one of the things I miss about this like spring quarter is I was looking forward to playing intramurals one last time. My knees are like kind of back, oh, yeah. uh, but I don't get to see Nick Cans pull down like eight offensive rebounds a game anymore. <laughs> Cans and I routinely got destroyed in uh, in flag football or it was for- yeah, I, I, I do take a little bit of responsibility for that for not showing up. But in my defense, um, you your I, was weak knees. Be, I was supposed to be rehabbing. <laughs> um, uh, you could have come out and played like like Lamar Jackson and we still wouldn't have <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> One thing that it probably in the grand scheme of all this isn't a big deal, but I did think it was interesting that they talked about how you build your team to beat the Pistons at that point. And it's easy to forget kind of the role the Pistons played in basketball in the late eighties and nineties. But, you know, that's what we say about the Warriors and we, you know, that's, that's what Maury said about when he was building the Rockets. And that's what we all say when anybody makes a big trade is, can this team beat the Warriors? Obviously we're not seeing that now, but that's what we were saying for the past five years or so. And the fact that, you know, I don't think any of us hold Detroit in the same, you know, those those Pistons teams in the same realm as the Warriors team. So I don't know. That was just interesting to me. I don't. Is there any other like small nuggets you guys had? I had one more. I I uh, I don't know if they're small, maybe because, but I had two two kind of thoughts that were going through my head. Really, one's a question: Who did who uh, when they were talking about the Bad Boys, and you know Isaiah was saying. You know, the Celtics to them, you know, they walked off the court when they beat them. And, you know, so, so Isaiah said that's, you know, how things were. But then Michael, you know, when they played what Isaiah said, he was like, nah, you know, they, that's just him saying, you know, what he needs to say to look good. And I, I don't know, I was, I was curious because I believe Michael, but, you know, do you, how, what do you guys think? No, I'm, yeah, I'm let's, let's talk about this. In, in, in general, I... You know, he did talk about how the Pistons or how the the Celtics walked off early, and I do think that was probably an exception that Michael probably wasn't really considering. Michael is still really mad about that. Yeah, it's so clear he's mad about that. He still hates the Pistons. He said it himself that he hates the Pistons, and when they show him when they show him that video of Isaiah 
talking about like, okay, look, in hindsight, and right when he says in hindsight, Jordan looks up and he's like, obviously no one can see me, but he's like, it just gives that look that he's, yeah. it's so funny. He's still so upset about that. Yeah, I think that, I, I don't know where I stand on that, the whole situation. I, I feel like. There's probably a broader context that like the three of us just probably don't can fully appreciate. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I mean, I feel like it got overblown. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think it kind of diminished the Pistons as like, in terms of, like, the value of that run that they had and how amazing they were. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure that it should, but I think you're right that it does. Yeah, I don't think it should either. I mean, they get slapped on. I mean, nobody really talks about them as one of the best dynasties. Uh, I'd say Thomas is one of the all time, but one of the best point guards of all time. Conversation. I mean, they beat the Celtics, they beat the Lakers, they beat the Bulls. I mean, you're not beating any three. There are no right. other. There's no other three franchises in in the in the entire NBA that have had as much of an impact as the the Bulls, the Celtics, the Lakers. And it wasn't like these Bulls that they beat. It was MJ they beat. They beat Larry Bird. They beat Magic Johnson. Like it wasn't like. I guess, sad iterations of those franchises. They beat the best franchises that they could. And yeah. still, we don't really talk about Detroit as much as we should. Yeah, and I mean, somebody like Isaiah Thomas, you know, obviously his post-playing career, it's a different story. But he was, I mean, he's one of the best point guards of all time. And he's really, he's rarely um, brought up in that, uh, you know, tier of NBA player. I... I don't think I've ever seen Isaiah Thomas not wear a suit. I realized that tonight. I don't know. I've, I don't think I've ever seen him just like in cash. I've only seen him in a suit or in a basketball uniform. One more thing that I just wanted to mention before we get into kind of the bigger picture stuff. That, that mid-air 360 that Jordan does on Lane Beer when uh, on that fast break, Lane Beer's trying to basically just throw him into the, into the stands – Jordan just does that 360, throws it up behind. I know it's an iconic shot, but that's just disgusting, the fact he's able to do that. Even, like, the midair adjustments that we see him make, like that one against the Lakers where it looked like he right. was going to dunk it and then he switched it up. Like, what do you have to do to do that in midair? <laughs> so I think there were, there were three main characters slash storylines discussed tonight. That was... You know, obviously, Dennis Rodman, the first episode is basically about him. The first half of the second episode is a lot about Phil Jackson, but it, it kind of carries over in Phil Jackson's relationship with Rodman. And then the rest of the episode is basically just about the Bulls overcoming the Pistons. Uh, you know, I think I, I keep harping on this, but it really does. It gives me a... a uh, much better admiration for or appreciation for Phil Jackson as a coach. Just with, you know, again, he has, we talked about how he managed so many personalities last week between, you know, Pippen, Jordan, and then the Lakers later. We didn't even talk about Robin. And the fact that as soon he was, he was willing to give Robin those 48 hours off, obviously, you know, Jordan had to go get him and he shows up to practice in pajamas. But still, it's it's just those little things that, I'm consistently amazed by I love the story of Phil Jackson of how he grew up or how he coached when he was young in the Puerto Rican league. And it was, you know, the mayor shot somebody or something like that. It's just, that was my favorite line, I think from both of the episodes. Yeah. It's, I love his story and, you know, to talk about like in his book, he did acid 
they show that really funny picture of him and you know it's I I'm glad they I thought they did a the right amount of time dedicated to Phil Jackson I think if you ask me build your you know your all all-star NBA team my coach I would pick Jackson you know I mean he's he's such a good leader I think and you know managing personalities like we keep saying you know he himself was kind of a, a free spirit and and they talk about when he first went to interview for the Bulls you know uh, he didn't get it because he wasn't wearing you know a suit um, I think he was just able to you know be himself and that you know allowed the players to kind of know that they could be him uh, be themselves too and Phil was just so good he, you know they were doing uh doing like yoga on the court before the game that one day like he's just such a a free spirit but you know he gets the results done so I I mean he's the coaching goat for me Phil Jackson I mean absolutely I mean like you talk about the yoga um I think he would make them like meditate too a lot yeah he's super into like you know native religions and tribes where he you know, he was from where he grew up, but it's funny because his mom was this super fundamentalist Christian and he went the complete opposite direction. I mean, I guess it's like another like broader theme on, on religion. I feel like people who are really into religion, they end up being so um, accepting of other, other religions, other like faiths, other uh, viewpoints. And I feel like, I mean, I'm not trying to get deep, but I feel like that kind of made up, might, might've played a part uh, with Phil Jackson where it's like, you have this appreciation of all these different viewpoints and then talk about utilizing it at the highest stage effectively. I mean, I, I mean like there was like that thing, what 20 seasons, he never had a losing record. The next closest was uh, Casey Johnson, right? Yeah. Casey Johnson. Yeah. Casey, yeah. Can I, can I say one thing about that? They give you like two seconds to answer. It's ridiculous. Yes. The trivia yeah. is awful. Like, my dad, he's like, he sees trivia. He's a big trivia fan. And he's always <laughs> like, all right, all right, here we go. And then he reads the question, and he, he's like, well, give me no time. But for the record, though, he is 0 for 4 because I started to pause him to give him some more time. But Sal Canzanaria is 0 for 4 on Last Dance Trivia. Kans, are you 4 and 0? I know you are a uh, somewhat of a trivia god. Oh, no, I'm, I'm right there with him. I'm, I'm 0 for 4, too. I mean, they're, they're kind of hard, if you ask me. They're really hard. They One are. Of them was they're like- really specific. One of them was uh, Rodman had the most career games with 20 rebounds and no points. And it was, the person was seven. Yeah. And the next highest person was like Marcus Camby with two. It's like, who yeah. knows this? Two? Yeah. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows that. <laughs> so we talked about Rodman. And like I said, that's basically the first episode uh, and sort of how he fits in with the broader scope of the Bulls. I'm curious what you guys thought about the, the opening of, of the second episode where it's his 48 hours in Vegas, but they like barely touch on it. And it's to the point where Michael Jordan is flying out and slamming on the door. And Robin, like I said, is showing up to practice in pajamas. I need that tape. I don't think we need to know more about that. <laughs> I think it can just stay uh, hidden to save people from having to see that. But again, that's, it's just so crazy to me that not only does the coach and the team know the coach is out on, is on the way. Jordan's probably on the way. The greatest player ever is on the way out. Pippen's probably on the way out. 
Rodman's on the way out probably, and yet they're still able to have the kind of season they had. And oh, by the way, Rodman just disappeared for forty-eight hours. I it's it's remarkable, you know, that a, a player's just like I I need a vacation during the season, and you know he's not going to like his his lake house or his cabin, you know, up in Wisconsin or something. He, he's going to Vegas, you know, like you know what's going to happen there. It's it's crazy but did you guys see because I know they started that and they said there was a thing on the screen Rodman has been um, gone with team permission for 48 hours and they started the the timer going up how how long was he gone did you guys catch how long he was actually gone for in total I think they just said he was gone longer just like okay yeah yeah I didn't see the actual number because I, I wonder, I mean, how, how, how much longer do you think it actually was? I'm trying to think, like, I think if he left at 3 o'clock on Wednesday, I think Friday at 3 o'clock, Jordan is just, Jordan is staring at the clock on Friday at 2.55, just waiting for the <laughs> last five minutes before he can go to Las Vegas to get Robin. Oh, I mean, <laughs> and I, and, you know, I mean, Michael, you know, he's like, you know, Phil, if you let him go, you know, you're not going to see him again, which was, you know, I guess not true because they did see him again, but, you know, they had to go ahead and get him from Vegas. So I just I just cannot believe that, the, that you know, you would let uh, a player do that. It's just – it's crazy. I think – right, yeah, you're right. And then, you know, the, the, the third big element, probably the biggest element – is the Pistons in this whole thing and how they, you know, NBA Twitter is really annoying when it becomes, when it comes to the physicality of nineties basketball, I understand it's a little more physical, but not every single game was a bar fight. Uh, but look, the Pistons played really hard and that's, that's not me at all discrediting them. And they, you know, the fact they made the bulls work out. Like they said, Jordan had never done weight training before that last before that first time they knock off the Pistons and that's crazy to me that Michael Jordan didn't do weight that a professional basketball player just didn't really do weight training for you know half of his career and he was still by then one of the best players ever yeah I mean every you know every every team needs needs that mountain you know and they kind of were talking about the Pistons you know, they had to get over the Celtics. The Bulls had to get over the Pistons. And I think you see that a lot in, in all sports. There's always a, a team that's on the rise. Yeah, and there's that one team that's, you know, at the top that you have to get over. Um, and they played a, a great villain for the Bulls, uh, the Pistons, you know, just beating them up, you know, making them work, you know, like Charlie said, making them start, you know, lifting weights and doing that. Um they really, I think they toughened up the Bulls a lot, um, I would say, because just, I, it, it doesn't even look like basketball, some of these fouls. It's, it's like uh, wrestling out there. It's just crazy how much they would just, you know, slam into guys and, and the Rodman shove of uh, Pippen that one year. It was just insane what they pushed the Bulls uh, to overcome. Yeah, and I think, like, there were so many things that they did to, like, get to that level. Obviously, like, having making Phil Jackson the head coach, uh, trading for Bill Cartwright, getting kind of bigger down low, and then, like, I feel like just everybody getting older. And then I think 
like Phil Jackson talks about it. He had like this whole like, like he would like tier his team. So there's like a one, tier one team, tier two, three, four, and five. And like they were based off like a tribal principle. Like there, there was like some book about all of this that he kept like he would refer to. And he was like, yeah, we went from like a tier three team to a tier four team. And that's why we were able to beat Detroit. Right, that was one of the reasons. It was like you go from a team where it's like I'm good and you're not to we're good, we're great and you're not. Yeah, I think I think like I think Jordan kind of talks about it too, or they talk about it with like the offense being like equal opportunity and like how everybody like a, he like excelled at making his teammates better. And I feel like I guess that was one of the reasons they were able to like. Beat yeah, Detroit. I think one of the things I forgot to mention is. Jackson took the ball out of Jordan's hands. You know, forever, Jordan – it talks about forever, Jordan – every play was designed to get Jordan the ball somehow. And it's a little bit like the Rockets right now with James Harden. Every play is designed to get the most efficient score of the ball. And along comes Jackson. He says, no, no, no. Like, we're going to get the ball to whoever's open. The, the focus is not you. The focus is the ball. And he introduces the triangle offense. And all of a sudden, that, that elevates Pippen to a whole new level where he's not – you know, it's not Jordan A, B, and then C, it's Pippen. It's Jordan A, Pippen B, and then a whole lot of Cs and C1s and C2s. I think that to get Jordan to do that, I think speaks a lot to Phil Jackson. I keep gushing over him, but I think it also does speak to Jordan's competitiveness and his humility, where forever in his pro career, that's that's their style is him getting the ball and finding a way to score and all of a sudden it's you're getting the ball and if you can score take it but you're going to look for another pass and that pass will open up this window and you'll maybe go into this window or maybe Pippen will go into this window it was it was one of the bigger moments I think in Jordan's career because it really was that time where it unlocked it unlocked him from being the player that scores 60 in a playoff loss to the Celtics to the player that scores 35 and has 10 assists and 10 rebounds and is able to beat, you know, the Pistons. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, it's you know, he, he, I think he realized that if he wants to finally get to the top, he would have to, you know, trust in his teammates more. And, and they showed that clip uh, against the Lakers in the finals when John Paxson was just on fire. It almost makes me feel left out that all I know about John Paxson is from him <laughs> ruining the Bulls uh, from his front office job. And, you know, he, he was a pretty good player, you know. Um, but I don't, you know, we don't got to go delve into, into Pax. But I think it just showed Jordan was, was trusting his teammates more. Paxson had some interesting insight, I thought. He, he was, I thought he articulated some things pretty well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. Is there anything else you guys have about sort of the, broader picture of these two episodes before we wrap it up and talk about what might be on next week only thing i'll say is that like i kind of see like the parallels i mean everybody loves comparing mj and and lebron it kind of like i see like the parallel between their journeys of how they got to like being champions uh i feel like lebron would if he had like a gm like jerry Krause, i feel like he would have got there sooner oh interesting because I, I just feel like the Cleveland was just dysfunctional, man. Well, yeah, every Krause is bad better than owner, probably bad front office, not an amazing coach. Like, you're right, but I every obviously today is different, and Krause is better than every GM LeBron has probably played with. 
or played, you know, under or whatever. Um, LeBron is basically the, was basically the de facto GM leading up to his time in Miami. Uh, he probably didn't have as, uh, as much sway with, you know, somebody like Pat Riley as opposed to, you know, his second stint in Cleveland. But LeBron obviously left. So I think his willingness to leave probably would have happened year four under Kraus as opposed – or, you know, after that first or second championship run as opposed to, you know, winning six rings with the guy and then retiring when, you know, he doesn't bring your coach back. Yeah, obviously, like, the journey was so different. I just feel like if he had had somebody, maybe if it wasn't, like, obviously. If he like, had a good exactly GM. But, like, somebody like that who had the insights to, like, to get Horace Grant, to get Scottie Pippen, to find the right coach. He, like, I don't feel like LeBron never had that. I mean, well, we that, see all that... the graphics. It's like LeBron dragged this team to 65 wins in the finals. It's like, I mean, were any of those guys starters on the Jordan team? Well, a couple of those Cavs teams were actually really well done. Um, especially the, the, the one that lost when Kyrie was really cooking and Kevin Love was playing really well. Oh, yeah. They had some I mean, pretty like good – those teams were pretty good. I thought they were pretty yeah. well assembled. Obviously nothing like, you know, what the Bulls had in the 90s. But And then there's a the whole different element of, you know, he's playing alongside two all-NBA players in, in Miami. That's a little different than just establishing at the yeah. margins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Kans? Any any parting shots before we talk about next week? I mean, like I said in the beginning, I thought it was, you know, even better than last week. Um, Phil Jackson has some scary-looking shoulders. Uh, I noticed that. Phil Jackson I mean, is uh, huge. Yeah, yeah. Like, when he's sitting down and present-day talking, like, you know, I, I can't really tell how yeah. tall he is. But then when you, when you see him, like, from his playing days, like, he was huge. What was he? he has to be like close to seven feet. Looking it up. I think he's six ten. He's six, six, eight. Nine. six six foot eight, eight, according to Google. Wow. Six well, he's just so like skinny and like scrawny. It's it's crazy. Phil Jackson. What a guy. Um, all right. So for next week, it doesn't I it looks like they're gonna talk a lot about Utah. That's kind of how it ended, but I don't think it's as clear. Uh, as it was last week, where it was very obviously going to be about the uh, about Robin this week. I don't, I don't really know what I'm necessarily looking forward to next week, especially compared to last week when we were so clearly like, I want to know all these things about Robin. Um, I think pretty soon though, they're probably going to move into the off court stuff about Jordan. I don't know when that's going to be, but right now that's probably my. Uh, what I'm most looking forward to other than, you know, that last playoff series or whatever. Yeah. I don't, for me, I don't know when it's going to come, but the thing that I'm probably most looking forward to, you know, maybe it's next week or or not, but there's, and I keep hearing this, uh, this footage of uh, Jordan and Scott Burrell at practice where Jordan is just like, giving it to Scott Burrell. I want more practice tapes. Yeah. 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 I I really, I can't wait for that just to see like, they kind of showed it a little bit in uh, the first two episodes, Mm -hmm. I think with him yelling at uh, Ron Harper, but I really want to just see just, you know, how, how big of a, uh, of a menace he was at practice. Yeah. Yeah, Or or motivator. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Either way. Yeah. Just how, how he worked at practice. About you, Abbas. Honestly, I just want to see how, like, they're going to tell the stories of the second and third championships. 
mm-hmm. and really how they talk about how MJ retired the first time. Yeah. I think, I think it'll get super emotional because of like, I mean, the situation that, that there was. And I also want to see how they talk about the team, how they talk about the transition in, in 94 and 95 without MJ, how much time they actually spend on those mid, those two years without Jordan. Because I, I think that the, those two years give you such a different perspective on that team. And I think, like, especially with Scotty, they didn't really talk about it when they were, like, really concentrating on him last week. But I'd love to see how they talk about those years. And also just, like, whatever was going on before, during those second two championships. Because I feel like those two don't get talked about as much as, especially, I I mean, especially the first three really don't get talked about as much as the last three. So I want to hear about some of, like, the, even just, like, the in-game stuff that was going on. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think Jay Adande pointed out on Twitter that that game they that finals they beat LA that was Magic Johnson's last ever game in the finals. You know, that's that's important. And now, obviously, you know, the Trailblazers probably aren't that huge a story just because um, I think in NBA lore they just they're just not really fitting in anywhere, which sucks for you and me, Abbas. Um, but yeah, I think you know that that Suns finals he's going against Charles Barkley you know, they, he's keeping so many guys you know this has been talked about at Nas, but he's he keeps so many players from getting a ring that you're right, I think there there are some of those early titles that probably don't t- get talked about as much as they should you know Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and obviously Stockton and Malone the last two so we'll see gentlemen I always enjoy talking about this uh, I look forward to doing it three more times is that how many more weeks there are yeah three more yep. times all right. Well, for myself, Charlie Bevins, for Nick Cantoneri, for Abbas Wallet, this has been Radio DePaul Sports. Student voice here to Paul Blue Beans.